Republicans held more hearings this week. We call them professional rake steppers for a reason, because once again, those hearings backfired with even Marjorie Taylor Greene being banned from asking further questions during one of the hearing. We will show what went down and Republicans in the House of Representatives finally announced their hostage demands for so-called spending cuts they want in order for them to raise the debt ceiling. And we're talking about some of the most extreme plans imaginable directly targeting workers and everyday Americans. And then you have some of these MAGA Republicans saying it is not even extreme enough. I don't even think Kevin McCarthy has the votes for the plan that they rolled out. And I got to show you President Biden's response to it. It was great. Speaking of great, I think I'm pretty happy that the Second Circuit Court of Appeals did the right thing. I was nervous for a moment because they stayed or paused a lower court ruling by a Trump-appointed federal judge who rejected the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's lawsuit to basically stop MAGA Republican Jim Jordan from subpoenaing Mark Pomerantz to try to force the testimony of this former special assistant district attorney. I want to talk about what went down in the Second Circuit, what we can expect next week, and what this Trump appointee's ruling was all about. And also, speaking of great, here's the real great part that I wanted to talk about, which is E. Jean Carroll's trial is set to take place April 25th. The wait is over. That's right. E. Jean Carroll's civil rape and defamation case against Donald Trump goes to trial next week on April 25th. Trump's lawyer, Joe Takapina, continues Takapina. to get smacked down by the judge, federal judge Lewis Kaplan. And it doesn't seem like Trump is going to show up at the trial. It's a civil case. So unlike a criminal case, Trump doesn't have to show up. But Trump was begging the judge to issue an instruction to the jury to say that the reason Donald Trump didn't want to show up was because it would just be too big of a burden to the city of Manhattan. And Judge Lewis Kaplan said, no, I think it's not a burden at all. You could decide to show <laughs> up or not. But you know what? Uh, I am not going to read such an instruction. And not only that, but Donald Trump, your lawyer can't even tell the jury, you know, why you are not here. So show up or don't show up. It is your choice. And Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis, we haven't heard that name for a Ooh. while, but she's been hard at work since the special purpose grand jury submitted their report, which was which still remains under seal. And Fawny Willis's criminal investigation into Donald Trump looks like it's headed toward a criminal indictment of Donald Trump soon. I, I think in the next two or three months, but I think late May, early June, we're going to see the criminal indictment out of Fulton County, Georgia. I'll explain why. Also, Ron DeSantis, woof, looking woof. more incompetent Yikes. each and every day. I mean, talk about this process exposing him. Like he's become like the laughing stock to everybody, to Democrats, to MAGA Republicans. I think Ron DeSantis's incompetence is actually one of the things that's actually uniting, maybe may uniting uh, the country. <laughs> also, President Biden is likely to announce uh, his re-election campaign 
um, soon. This and more here on the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy. Action-packed week, fellas. And you know what? We, when we were last live on Monday, mm. we did not touch on the fact that um, as of Monday night, the Fox Dominion case was going to trial. And so I don't want to belabor the point because we've covered it a ton on other hot takes. But you know, we should at least mention for continuity, of course, that um, Fox settled the defamation case brought by Dominion um, and wrote a check for 787 five million dollars and um, essentially admitted that their statements were false um, by uh, conceding that the judge's findings of falsity were accurate just wanted to put that out there Wait, Brett, ben, Jordy ben, 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 but just not only putting it out there we actually talked through the exact scenario of what could of and did eventually happen I'm honestly let me I have a bone to pick because I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting real sick of Ben being right about everything I just want to throw that out there I right agree it's, it's, it's annoying it's, be, it's, it's annoying and it's kind of annoying Ben breaks down the legal arguments he says what's going to happen even if people aren't super thrilled about what may happen Ben always just nails it but I guess that's why you're here at the Midas Touch Network because we give it to you straight and Ben really knows his stuff when it comes to the law um, but no Ben that was an absolutely incredible prediction I, you know it, it, it was tough it, you know it sucked to see them settle it hurt, obviously, personally, just as an American who wanted to see more accountability for Fox. Um, but I get why they did it in terms of them being a company for their shareholders. And it's a whole lot of money. My, my, my kind of uh, me- metaphor for it was it felt like the... Uh, it felt like the lottery winner kind of taking the lump sum or take taking the lump sum up front over then mm. rather than get the money kind of down the road because the process just would have obviously been dragged out even after the trial with the appeals upon appeals upon appeals. And then at the end, it goes to another process where the final verdict could then be cut down to not too much more money than they even received by just taking the money up front. So like I, I get why they did it. I wish that they could have forced these Fox hosts, like I said in the last show, to open up every single show by saying, by telling their audience, listen, we lied to you. But I guess that was a little too much uh, to ask. Mm. But plenty of mm. justice happening around the country. And by the way, Fox is like, it's, it's just getting started for Fox. They got the Smartmatic lawsuit, exactly. which is like a $2.7 billion lawsuit. They have shareholder lawsuits. Uh, there's so much disarray from what we're hearing internally at Fox with their talent, with their staff. Like they are in real chaos. So any way that that organization can be at least weakened or punished in the gut i am happy with as at least a starting point but seeing justice all over the country the good thing about professional rake stepping you guys is it's it's not just isolated you know it's it's not just isolated to congress like these professional rake steppers they step on rakes in the courts they step on rakes in the capitol they step on rakes kind of wherever they go it's kind of the one kind of uniting uh ideology if you will of these MAGA republicans and we are just seeing it in all aspects uh, of I'll tell you why. Stupidity is contagious. And so this professional rank stepping, it's a contagious thing because they all appear on each other's networks. They all talk to each other. They all influence each other in the worst ways possible. Stupidity, contagious. I thought you were going to say cyclical. I thought you were about. I thought you were about to no, come back. No, that's different. That's I'll use that later. Don't worry. Different. All right. I got to figure out how you use that correctly. Yeah. But no, it's you know the, the truth. The, the truth is is that when you lie about everything, it's going to catch up to you, especially when you're in legitimate places like a court of law, mm-hmm. or when you're surrounded by intelligent people like Jamie Raskin and Eric Swalwell. You know, once you actually get confronted with people who are actually informed on the facts, or actually informed on what's going on, or you're under oath, or something 
something to that effect. All of a sudden, your lies that you heard on your crazy right wing blogs, they just all, all of a sudden they don't quite work. And so that's where they kind of uh, go and, and step on those rakes because they get into places where their lies and gaslighting all of a sudden aren't working so much anymore. But people are seeing through it. <laughs> you know, pre- pre- President Biden in a recent speech, we'll show it in a little bit, called these MAGA Republicans ideas. I think he called them these wacko notions. Right. And and it is a kind of a combination of this wannabe fascism, this kind of cosplay authoritarianism mixed with this idiocracy and and incompetence. And we should be grateful that there is this idiocracy and incompetence portion of it that is holding back their authoritarian intentions and designs. But nonetheless, they are cosplay fascism. They actually want to be full fascist, but their idiocracy holds it back. And, you know, it's it's on full display when they hold these hearings. Right. I mean, they they hold these congressional hearings in the House of Representatives. And, you know, you see why it is that these individuals, you know, should not be elevated to these positions like, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the weakest speaker of the House in history, puts Marjorie Taylor Greene on the Homeland Security Committee. Right. I mean, I just want you to think about it. like this isn't a joke, right? This isn't funny stuff. You know, the Homeland Security Committee is a group of members of Congress who have access to the most highly classified information. Okay, this is life or death stuff that they deal with. And somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who she frankly can't control herself, right? She's not fit really to hold any type of job at all in this country, you know, except for in the MAGA Republican Party where idiocracy and cruelty uh, and just being evil and hateful is rewarded. She gets to be on the Homeland Security Committee. And now Kevin McCarthy puts her in a position to make life or death decisions over your life. Over your family's life, mm-hmm. over your friends and colleagues and coworkers and community and neighborhood um, and country, you know, and, and she doesn't belong there at all. And so I just want to show you this clip to start. This is from a Homeland Security Committee meeting um, where Congressman Eric Swalwell, a Democrat, before becoming a Congress member, Eric Swalwell was a uh, very well-established prosecutor, state prosecutor in California who prosecuted very high-profile cases uh, for the state of California. And Eric Swalwell is just pointing out a fact that the Republican House Judiciary Twitter account posts these ridiculous things, you know, praising Kanye West, Kanye, Elon, Trump. And so Eric Swalwell's just pointing out how harmful that is because it radicalizes domestic terrorists and extremists. Um, and the witness um, uh, there is the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. And so you'll see Congressman Eric Swalwell just pointing this out um, and just having a very intelligible conversation. I want you to watch what Marjorie Taylor Greene does. So let's play this clip. Was kept up for months after Kanye West said that he was going to declare DEFCON 3 on the Jews. Mr. Secretary, do you believe that all of us have a responsibility to elevate our rhetoric and to denounce anti-Semitism and anti-police rhetoric in this country so that Jewish Americans and police officers can be safer? Congressman, I do. Thank you, and I yield back. The gentleman yields, and now I recognize the gentlelady from Georgia, Ms. Green. 
That was quite entertaining from someone that had a sexual relationship with a Chinese spy, and everyone knows it. But I move to take our words down. Completely inappropriate. And the motion, the move to take uh, her words down, is a step basically to disqualify her. And she should have been disqualified from asking further questions in that committee hearing. Based on that alone, she wasn't. But she continued to act like that. Like, I, I, if, if someone acted like that. It, person. Like, and just think about, you know, if you work at an accounting firm or at a school, right, or at, you know, a law firm or or at a restaurant or, or, or wherever or a nonprofit organization and just somebody behaved like that, right? Like they would be fired immediately and, and likely sued, you know, for harassment because it's really despicable conduct, you know, and there you have Congressman Swalwell talking about the importance of elevating rhetoric, right? And addressing a serious issue that the MAGA Republicans on the Judiciary Committee that 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 maintain that official account are praising Kanye West at the same time he was saying we need to go DEFCON 3 on Jews. And he's asking the question to the Homeland Security Secretary because that's a major issue under the jurisdiction of the Homeland Security Secretary that domestic terrorists are being radicalized by language like that coming from the House Judiciary uh, GOP account. And then notice that Marjorie Taylor Greene, she doesn't even address what Eric Swalwell's saying. Like, it's a fact. She just goes right to, well, you had sex with a spy, which is not true. Back in 2012, 2013, when Eric Swalwell was informed that there may have been an interaction with, and he may have been targeted um, by a Chinese spy operation, what did he do? He cooperated with the FBI immediately back in 2012 or 2013, whenever it was. It was a very long time ago. And that's what she brings up. And she brings it up like that, like, Brett, to your point, like just a horrible human being. Yeah, no, it, it's really disgusting. It's really beneath just the in, entire United States Congress and, and government. But this is how these Republicans have so debased the rhetoric in our country and have just turned it into just a complete and utter cesspool. I mean, it's really just frankly disgusting to have a human being like that in our government who would otherwise be completely unemployable anywhere else. You say that literally in any other job. You behave that way in any other job. You are being sent to HR at minimum or you are being fired and you are not being hired again. And this just kept going on and on and on during this hearing to the point where Marjorie Taylor Greene actually got banned from even speaking. Like, yeah, literally, they told her that she could no longer speak anymore during these hearings. And she starts like she tries to use these terms that she thinks. Here, here's the thing with these MAGA Republicans. Also, they don't even know what the hell they're doing. Right. They they don't even know the rules of their own job. And so she's in there um, just being, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, being as rude as could be. And then she'll make a comment like. Point to personal injury, point of person. And Dan Goldman uh, responds there. He's like, that's not a thing. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? That's not even a thing. Well, we'll just play this clip in general. You'll see the whole sequence of events where Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, just starts going crazy again. I mean, not that she has to get started to go crazy, but Marjorie Taylor Greene behaving like Marjorie Taylor Greene until she is banned from speaking during this hearing. 
outrage, complete outrage, where China is poisoning America's children, poisoning our teenagers, poisoning our young people. How long are you going to let this go on? Congresswoman, let me assure you that we're not letting it go on. We are fighting this. No, I reclaim my time. You're a liar. You are letting this go on in the numbers. Well, no, obviously. actually, I want you to take the words of the speaker down. So in uh, making a ruling on this, uh, it's pretty clear that the rules state you can't impugn someone's uh, character. Uh, identifying or calling someone a liar is unacceptable in this committee. And I make the ruling that we strike those words. It's, uh, sorry, just a point of order, legitimate question. You're recognized. Our, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Did you move to take the words down or to strike them, Mr. Thompson? Yeah, sorry, I just stepped in. Point yeah, of uh, take them down. So that's what we did. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. My understanding is, if words are taken down, that means that the the member can no longer speak in whatever the proceeding is that those words were said. I, personal inquiry. Point of personal inquiry. That's there's no, no such Stand thing. Stand by just a second. House, uh, when you strike, uh, it does terminate the time of the individual who is speaking. So uh, the gentlelady is no longer recognized. And that, by and that's the way, they, yeah, the, the chair was a Republican, uh, Congress member Mark Green, um, and he had enough of it. You know, when Congress member Green's like, you humiliated me at this Homeland Security Committee, Marjorie Taylor Green, um, and she said point of personal inquiry, which is not even a point that you could raise there of, of, of kind of parliamentary procedure. And Congressman Dan Goldman's like, what are you talking about? Um, but notice it actually took her calling uh, Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, a liar. They didn't officially take down her words and vote to disqualify her from the hearing based on saying that Congressman Swalwell had sex with sex with a spy. Um, it took two times for that to actually happen. So that, that, that's what was going on there. And by the way, this was a theme throughout all these. And by the way, not just these hearings, like all the hearings that there are. The theme is Republicans get their time to ask questions about really serious issues that affect America. Right. Like they're holding these sham hearings, but they could actually be hearings that actually help inform the public, that actually help dig into issues that the American people care about. But they don't view those that way. They view these as these Soviet kind of trials, uh, these BS trials to just kind of gaslight the public and all they they view this is as a platform to get themselves on Sean Hannity's show or Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram's show that night. So they spend their time and instead of even asking questions to the witness, so they they bring out a top level official from the Biden administration or a top level expert. They have them sitting in front of them and all they do for the five minutes they're allotted or whatever it is, person by person, they just do what Marjorie Taylor Greene is and they do their rant. You're a liar. You are a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And that's what they do. That, like, there's just nothing. There's zero substance, zero even attempt to try to get to the bottom of issues that people care about. And that's what's so enraging. Also, that they could get that little hit, that little great job by Sean Hannity every night on Fox News. That's what's also just so disgusting about this. Like if you're going to do these sham hearings, at least take them seriously, at least have the decency to pretend. But they cannot even pretend. Yeah, like so that hearing, Jordy, I'm sorry for interrupting. Jordy, Jordy you're on mute, but we yeah. can't hear you. 
Wow, I pulled the Brett. All pulled I was gonna Brett. all I was gonna say is one to our audio and, and and YouTube watchers. I actually requested that Brett does more Marjorie Taylor Green impressions because he's so good at them. It's definitely a top five impression. And then Ben, before you go, I love when Marjorie Taylor Green speaks. I love it. I love it. I love it. I say let Lauren Bobert speak. Let Matt Gates speak because Brett, Ben, to your points, they're professional rake steppers. You know who's not watching these hearings live like that? Gen Z. They they're they're not. You know when they do watch it, when we take their ridiculous sound bites, not Gen Z's, when we take Marjorie Taylor Greene's ridiculous sound bites and behavior, stitch it together in a 60-second clip for them to just see and on full display, hey, do you want government to run like this? Do you think this person is a fair and accurate representation of, of you and your ideals and what you aspired this country to be? Or do you want it to be Dan Goldman, who is a normal pro-democracy loving person in this country who is a fantastic representative. So when you're able to juxtapose these MAGA Republicans when they're using the microphone to spew hatred and vitriol and division, and when you could show them doing that versus what Democrats are trying to do on a day-to-day basis, which is just protect people's rights, you know, it, the, the choice becomes clear and evident that these MAGA Republicans should be nowhere near government. Couldn't agree more with you, Jordy. Look, the clips that we just played for you were from the Homeland Security Committee hearing. There's one more I just want to show you, just so you see the contrast between Marjorie Taylor Greene and the way someone like Congressman Eric Swalwell kind of calls them out. Like, you, you can call people out, but, you know, stick to the facts and show photographs and show the images and show the people what you're talking about. And you can do it in a calm and intelligible manner. Watch Congressman Eric Swalwell calling out Marjorie Taylor Greene and Republicans for their defund the police rhetoric. Play this clip. I'm disturbed about a recent tweet from the former president that says Republicans in Congress should defund the Department of Justice and the FBI. I'm also concerned about people on this committee and their own anti-police rhetoric. This is a defund the FBI campaign effort. Again, thousands of FBI agents who work hard every day to take bad guys off the streets. In fact, after the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, someone armed to the teeth went to an FBI field office to try and kill FBI agents. So compare that to MAGA Republican Congress member Nick LaLota, who asks a question of uh, Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas, but except it's not a question, right? Because uh, MAGA Republican Congress member LaLota, Brett, to your point, wants to get on Fox. He thinks it's like, let's do this thing where I do a pop quiz and I'm going to ask the Homeland Security these gotcha questions. But watch how Secretary Mayorkas handles this. Play the clip. And, sir, I know that we're limited on time, so I would appreciate if when you responded, you just say A, B, C, or D in these multiple choice questions, sir. And, sir, my first question is, according to CBP, how much fentanyl has CBP seized along the southwest border in FY23? You see the answers uh, behind me, sir. So, uh, Congressman, two quick things. Number one, uh, my distance vision isn't what it used to be, so I can't actually see that. And number two, I'm not taking a multiple choice that's that you administer. Let me assure you of that. Damn! <laughs> and also, once again, it's the Republicans uh, complaining about fentanyl that was seized. Uh, that, that, that's, that's the big gotcha. Look at, look, at all the, look at all the drugs that were seized at the border. Right? How much of this stuff was getting through when Donald Trump was president? That's, that's what I want to know. Probably a lot because Donald Trump, as we say on the show, his whole thing was we don't test, we don't look at numbers. No, we don't see it. It's not happening. We don't tell that's, you about the spy balloons flying over. We don't tell you that stuff.
Yeah, if you don't test, it doesn't exist under the MAGA Republicans world. It's like the most insane thing. Okay, but switching gears now from the Homeland Security Committee hearing uh, to the Oversight Committee hearing chaired by MAGA Republican James Comer, um, the Oversight Committee hearing focused on basically blaming President Biden for the for everything relating to Afghanistan, like with no historical context, like no historical context that Donald Trump was the person who ordered the troops to be withdrawn that Donald Trump like unilaterally did it in like a three sentence letter um, that even the military generals are like, what are you doing? That Donald Trump and Pompeo released 5000 Taliban uh, prisoners who became the new leadership of the Taliban. Those were the individuals uh, who ended up taking over Afghanistan, but like without, without even coordinating with the Afghan government at the time, like there wasn't even a deal. It was like, let's just negotiate directly with the Taliban and let your prisoners out like, you know, who really would have wanted to that. It was very helpful to Vladimir Putin. But how do you not even secure any type of deal? It would just like release the prisoners. And then they don't even go back further for a historical evaluation of like, why were we in Afghanistan in the first place with George W. Bush? And so again, we call it like, like, like they acted like Biden was the reason that Americans were in Afghanistan. In can, the I, first can, place. I, can I just say something right now? Also, here's what's to me not getting enough attention with this presidency. Biden is actually our first president in decades in which we are not actually in an active war. I know a lot of people act like on the right, act like we are actually in Ukraine right now fighting Russia. That's not happening. In fact, what did President Biden do? President Biden made it so that we were not fighting Russia. President Biden supplied Ukraine with the necessary arms and defense that they needed so that that war did not become a world war, so that that war did not come to us. And Republicans hate him for it. And Donald Trump had this plan to take our troops out of Afghanistan, and Donald Trump completely fumbled the plan. He completely sold out the Afghan government. He left them completely defenseless. He completely backed the Taliban when it happened. He left Biden in a really difficult situation, which was impossible to reverse. But at the end of the day, Biden went through with it. And I'm happy Biden did go through with the mm -hmm. withdrawal and took our troops out of here as messy as it may have been. That's actually a really good thing that Biden ended up doing. And for the first time, we are actually not in one of these wars. That is a big thing. And, and all the Republicans, all these people on the right, they try to act like, oh, the world was so safe under Trump. He didn't get us into any wars. It, bullshit. That's just a fly. It's, ju it's just a straight up lie. You know who didn't? Biden. That's the truth right there. Biden. It's just it's a, such a skewed thing and all their memes, all their things. They try to make it sound like Biden is some like warmonger over here. This is the first like kind of peacetime in America. It's 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 pretty wild, you know. And look, it's Democratic, the Democratic mm -hmm. Congress members were bringing it back to the truth. So this is Congress member Jared Moskowitz, Democratic superstar, Another freshman superstar. Congress member yeah, from Florida, calling out Republicans for forgetting who started the Afghanistan war, Afghanistan war. And he also mentions the Trump Taliban deals and that why are the MAGA Republicans so focused on public urination and Hunter Biden's <laughs> laptop before this hearing here? Play the clip. Who says it's an important topic? You know, we're 100 plus days into the next Congress. And this committee thought that before we would talk about the Af Afghanistan withdrawal, they thought it was more important to talk about Twitter first. And not only did they think it was more important than the Afghanistan withdrawal, they thought it was more important to talk about 
the hiring policies of the Biden administration. They also thought it was more important to talk about a laptop that was found at Radio Shack before the Afghan withdrawal. You know, they thought it was more important to talk about the D.C. government and public urination before the Afghan withdrawal. And so I know this is a serious topic. But just look at the hearings we've had before this one. And so it's tough for us on this side of the aisle to accept that this isn't a serious hearing. This was a 20-year war. It was started by President Bush. You remember President Bush. I know many of you have disowned him because he disagrees with President Trump. <laughs> Such a good line. But four presidents, 20 years of good decisions, 20 years of bad decisions. You don't want to examine 20 years. You only want to examine, like, the last week. You know, when marriages dissolve after 20 years and they get in front of a judge, they don't just say, you know, everything was great until the last week of marriage. It's crazy. <laughs> President Trump invited the Taliban to Camp David around the anniversary of 9-11. What? Like, are there any questions about that? Trump released 5,000 prisoners, many that included terrorists, 5,000 Taliban prisoners, many that included terrorists. I like he goes, Donald Trump invited the Taliban to Camp David on the anniversary of 9-11. What? Uh, no one wants to ask questions about that. The MAGA Republicans, th th that doesn't intrigue you. You don't want to you don't want to do a maybe a follow up on why that happened. But it just goes to show you, Brett, as you said, it's all B.S. The future of the Democratic Party is bright. The future of classic Moskowitz W right there, Jay. Classic Moskowitz W. He, he's really good. I mean, he's he's been bringing the heat in all these hearings. He comes completely prepared. But, you know, that's what I was saying. You know, like you could reasonably have an important discussion and fact finding mission about what happened in Afghanistan, what went wrong, do a report on the past 20 years, how it started, why we were there, how things could have been better. Should we have even been there at all? I, I mean, like you could have done a whole thing. The problem is it would have put the pro placed the problems at the feet of the Republicans every single step of the way. And so they don't want to find the truth. They just want to use these to try to blame Biden and get their two seconds or two minutes or whatever on Fox. That's all that this is about. Should this be the symbol every time Moskowitz gets a W? It's like, boom, boom, boom. I'm not boom. sure you know what a W, a W goes up. But yeah. Ma, no, Ma, Moskowitz W. You see what oh, I'm doing? I see, I see. You get it? I see what you're doing. Yeah. Jordy's doing his hands down in an M and then up to a W. Moskowitz, I see that. Okay, okay. We got a lot. Lo love you, brother. We, we've got a lot. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about, uh, including Donald Trump does not want to show up at trial next week. Donald Trump's going to trial next week on E. Jean Carroll's rape case. Donald Trump does not want to show up. The federal judge is basically saying, can you stop whining? And Donald Trump's lawyer, can you pay attention to what I'm already ordering before? And can you stop filing these like ridiculous letter <laughs> briefs and actually pay attention? Takapina, also a big ruling by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals staying a lower 
court order that would have compelled Mark Pomerantz to have to testify before MAGA Republican Jim Jordan's controlled Judiciary Committee. Let's also talk about what these Republican hostage demands are. They're refusing to pass a clean debt ceiling bill, and they've just rolled out like a horrific set of demands, which are complete non-starters and also just like very, very cruel, and they make no sense. We'll talk about this right after this quick break. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, MOSH. As the years progress, it's so important to stay on top of your mental health and fitness. Frankly, life, it gets busy. And sometimes you end up sacrificing good foods and snacks for unhealthy ones strictly because they may seem more convenient. Now, whether at the gym, on the go, or between meals with the fam, MOSH protein bars are the smart snack to keep your brain and body fit, fueled, and feeling good. With six delicious flavors, each mosh bar comes packed with 12 grams of protein and made with ingredients that support brain health like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. At 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, mosh protein bars are the guilt-free snack your brain and body will crave. Your brain, it's your number one tool, which is why mosh protein bars were mindfully formulated by some of the world's top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists. Founded by Patrick Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver, Mosh is a mission-driven brain health and wellness company that donates a portion of all proceeds to support women's brain research through the Women's Alzheimer's Movement at Cleveland Clinic. I absolutely love Mosh protein bars. They're delicious. They're savory. They're the perfect smart snack to keep your brain and body fit, fueled, and feeling good. We're constantly doing different videos or podcasts here or just a bunch of different tasks. So I'm able to enjoy Mosh protein bars easily and enjoyably throughout the day whenever I need it. Don't settle with a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. So whether you're at the gym, on the go, or just living your best life, Mosh protein bars will keep your brain and body fit, fueled, and feeling good. Head to moshlife.com slash Midas to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack, which includes all six mouth-watering flavors. M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash Midas. Mosh. Hold up. Hold up. hold, Hold up. These things are ridiculous. Yeah, like again. if you're listening right now, moshlife.com slash Midas, hit it up immediately. They're amazing. I'm not steering you wrong. They're good. Look, so, let, 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 let's get, I couldn't agree more with you, Brent, and Jordy, and I like the way you said it. Mosh. 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 All right. So when it comes to when it comes to passing uh, a bill to raise the debt ceiling, it's supposed to pretty much be automatic. Right. I mean, during the Trump administration, Democrats absolutely and for good reason, like completely disagreed with Donald Trump's priorities for what that budget looked like. But Democrats were not going to play games when it came to the debt, raising the debt ceiling. And so when Democrats control the House of Representatives, we're spending starts. You you raise the debt ceiling. It's just what you do, because it's not about dealing with spending priorities going forward. Raising the debt ceiling is all about paying the debt that has accumulated in the past throughout America's history. By the way, 25% of all of the debt 
in United States American history was created while Trump was president. So this is just about paying bills that are owed. And, you know, look, it's a ridiculous process that, you know, it's, it's about 100 years old at this point that you have to keep passing debt ceiling bills to kind of raise the debt ceiling. Like there shouldn't even have to exist in the first place, but you have to That's keep stupid. Ra- stupid, but you got to keep raising it to the next level just to pay your bills in the past. Right. There are there's different forums to have discussions over spending, right? Like when budgets are are put forward, you can have disagreements about budgeting and the Appropriations Committee and the Ways and Means Committee could have all these conversations about the finances. Like there's a whole nother conversation there. But this is like the first time in history where MAGA Republicans have said, or where in anyone in the House of Representatives just so happens to be MAGA Republicans said, we're not going to pass a clean debt ceiling bill. Like we're just not. We need you, Biden, to follow our demands. You need to meet our demands about spending cuts, even though they're two separate concepts totally. But we need your agreement to change your spending habits um, based on the way we want it. Or guess what? We destroy America. I mean, it's basically like that. (laughs) We will. It's basically like Uh, that. You're right. And Ben, I'll I'll extend it. Not just we'll destroy America. We'll destroy the global economy. Yeah. We'll destroy America's economy. The whole world is gone. Yeah. We'll destroy the global economy. You know, we want to we don't want to have the normal discussions when they normally take place about spending. And, you know, and and, and there are issues there, right, where there are government shutdowns and all the stuff that happens with spending fights that take place. But They're like, no. We are not going to raise the debt ceiling. We will cause America to default on its debt if you don't agree with us. America's full faith and credit will be absolutely destroyed. And we will plunge the entire world into a global depression if you don't agree to these demands. And President Biden's like, no. But 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 how about this? Show me your budget. Well, they're refusing to show a budget, right? But they've at least showed their demands now, Brett. And Brett, can you go over what these demands are? Because if you go over them point by point, like these demands are cruel, they're impractical. And even when you lay them out, other MAGA Republicans are like, these don't go far enough. These aren't extreme enough. So it doesn't even seem like Kevin McCarthy has the votes. But to be clear, Kevin McCarthy has not put forward his own budget. Just here's what you need to cut, basically. And what are the cuts, Brett? Yeah, it's comically evil, like like movie villain, super villain, evil, the, the cuts that they want, because they knew that they couldn't directly come for Social Security and Medicare because Biden humiliated them at the State of the Union and mm. called them out on it. So they said, OK, we're going to go after all the Americans who need help. We're going to target them in every other way imaginable. And I'm going to read you a list. This is straight from the Kevin McCarthy plan to yep. avert the debt ceiling. He wants to eliminate Pell Grants for 80,000 students and reduce grant funding for millions of others. He wants to remove access to Head Start programs and child care to 300,000 children. He wants to cut funding for 2,000 border agents. I thought they wanted to protect the border. They wants to cut 11,000 FBI personnel, hundreds of police. He wants to shut down 125 air traffic control towers. I mean, that right there would increase airport security wait times like crazy. It would be an absolute disaster. He wants to evict hundreds of thousands of families, veterans, seniors, people with disabilities from Section 8 housing. He wants to impose work requirements 
payments for social programs. He wants to block the Biden student debt relief plan. I'm not done yet. I'm still going. He wants to repeal the money that the IRS has, and I'll get to that in a second. He wants to remove all of Biden's environmental protections and nearly wipe out all of Biden's clean tax credits. He wants to reduce access to veterans care. He wants to increase wait times for veterans receiving benefits because he wants to put in a 22% decrease in VA funding. And I, I could keep going on and on and on. That list right there is is a pretty rough start to this plan. And the place where McCarthy is finding himself now in is the so-called more moderate members of the House are saying it's a little too extreme. The extremist members of the House are saying, hell no, I'm not voting for that. It's not nearly extreme enough. And McCarthy, because he, the the brilliant uh, politician, tactician that he is, he has to listen to people like George Santos and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lou Gilmer and all these bozos. And George Santos came out and he said, I'm strongly against this bill, Kevin McCarthy. I'm strongly against it because it's not mean enough. It's not extreme enough. He's got to listen to George freaking Santos. I mean, how humiliating is that? You have Matt Gates. You got these House Freedom Caucus members. They they say, you know what? It's actually not difficult enough for not difficult enough for lower income Americans to receive Medicaid. We need to make it actually even harder for them to receive Medicaid. For me to even think about voting for this. And then they also go, you know what, those SNAP benefits, which provides the food aid to qualified recipients, we need to make those also way more difficult for people to get. That should be way harder to get if you need SNAP benefits. This is this makes it far too easy for Kevin McCarthy's plan. And so that's where Kevin McCarthy finds himself in. It looks like he doesn't have even anywhere near the votes to even pass this in his own Republican House of Representatives. It's completely insane. It's completely cruel. It's totally unprecedented. And it just shows you how weak he is. It shows you how craven he is. It shows you how truly evil these MAGA Republicans truly can be when, listen, what do you see? What what do you not see in there? You do not see, you know what, maybe wealthy people could pay their fair share a little bit. Maybe billionaires could pay a little more into the economy to help out. No, every single thing that they target is to make Mm -hmm. low-income Americans, all the Americans who need help the most, it's to make them struggle more. It's to put the burden on them. Meanwhile, Biden's budget like cuts the deficit by like trillions of dollars. It's like a very reasonable, responsible budget that... Anybody could look at and go, yeah, these are all reasonable things to ask for. But once again, this isn't even about a budget in general. It's a separate conversation Mm -hmm. entirely. It's about paying your bills. And Kevin McCarthy does not want to pay his damn bills. Brett, I think you said it perfectly there, too, when you said it's cruel, it's humane. But you know what it also is? It's on brand. It's on brand. Inhumane. Inhumane. That's what, yeah, that's what I meant. It's cruel, it's inhumane, and it's on brand for this MAGA Republican Party. I think we've said this before in the show. The Kevin McCarthy's, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the George Santos's, they don't want the country to succeed. They really don't. Their goal right now as congresspeople, as elected officials, is actually to derail any sort of progress that the Biden administration can make because they think ultimately it will benefit them come 2024. They want to tank the economy. They want to make lives harder for the average American. And they're going to hide behind whatever fake sort of cloak themselves in the flagness that they that they like to pretend to do and pretend to be patriots and this, that, and the third. They hate this country. They really do. And it's the saddest thing to play out in lifetime. 
here's the air. Honestly, they want to help their billionaire donors and friends. And that's like it. that. That's what they want. They they want they want the wealthy to succeed, and they don't give a damn what happens to the rest of Americans. And when you look at a lot of these states in the country, the income inequality, the disparities in income are just exploding throughout the country in general, but especially in these red states. And that's why you see these red states also starting to strip away even more rights of their citizens. And they're Mm -hmm. stripping away all these child labor laws. (laughs) They're putting like 13 year olds to work because this, these are the kinds of societies that Republicans want to create. What they are doing when they have super majorities in these Republican states is what these Republicans in the house want to do nationally. And let me just give you an example. I said, I'd mention it of like the government actually working of why actually funding the government programs actually help. So the data came in about the IRS funding. And with that in IRA funding, the Inflation Reduction Act funding, the IRS was able to provide 87% of customer calls this season with live support. That was an increase from 15% last year. And the average time on hold, so you trying to get in touch with an IRS agent to get some help with your taxes, decreased from 27 minutes to just four. And that's because they had more support staff to actually help the average American do their taxes and get their tax returns in a speedy way. That's what Republicans position to their voters and gaslit Americans as, oh, look, these 87,000 jackbooted thug IRS agents are going to kick down your doors with weapons and they're going to kill you. I mean, these are the things that they were flooding people's inboxes with with stuff. And guess what? It helped people because when these agencies are funded and are able to work, they're actually designed to help Americans and Republicans just want to destroy government. They view all government as evil and they want to burn it all down. But I think those IRS, meanwhile, they like gaslight like their people. Like if you ask like a lot of these Republican voters, by the way, like they'll be like, what do you mean? I thought they got rid of the IRS agents because they just pretend like they pass bills out of committee or pass bills in the House of Representatives that actually don't ever get signed. And then they just spike the football and say, we did it and moved on, even though that's not a thing that happened. One of the tactics of authoritarianism is not to elevate people, right? It's to make people suffer a ton. And then if you give the people like just like breadcrumbs, right? And a little peanut, you trickle, you trickle down just some breadcrumbs to them. You know, you you hope that they think that, oh, you're just this benevolent authoritarian, right? America was always very different, right? America always kind of bucked that trend by focusing on the middle class, by focusing on workers, by focusing on a meritocracy. And if If you just look at these laboratories of autocracy, what's going on in these red states, like their plan, cruelty is the goal, right? Mm -hmm. That is the objective. And you may go, well, why is that? Because it's just a common tactic of an authoritarian, like like similar to the way. And, and it's psychological, like it's a pathological authoritarian tactic, right? Like authoritarians of the past, authoritarian style leaders, you know, when there have been other kind of global illnesses and kind of rampant diseases in countries, you know, where they would have a dictator, the dictator wouldn't acknowledge that the virus or the illness actually exists, right? And you would just say, what are you talking about? That That's not a real thing. Or then you would blame a marginalized group for it. It's just exactly the same pathology that's being used in these laboratories of right. autocracy yep. in, in, in these red states. It's, it's a playbook 
of authoritarianism because it is pathological as well. I mean, if you look at what Republican states are, are doing right now, like total chaos. We're talking about firearm deaths are surging in red states. We're talking about deaths from preventable diseases, maternal mortality, infant mortality are all way up. Life expectancy in red states is plummeting. We're talking about like life expectancy in some southern red states of like 62, 63, you know, compared to blue states of, of mid to high 80s. Like just think about those stats right there alone. These MAGA Republican red states have these abortion bans. They're targeting birth control. Corruption amongst the political elites in these states is running rampant. Laws are being passed across the country in these red states to erase LGBTQ like rights and, and the community in general, like their very existence, abolishing books. Like if you look at what's going on in red states, it mirrors what takes place actually in authoritarian countries. You know, it is. And then they have the same tactic that's used in the authoritarian country, right? Like in North Korea, what does Kim Jong-un say about South Korea? What does Kim Jong-un say about America? Oh, we have it perfect here in North Korea. America's a shithole. South Korea's a shithole. You don't want to go even see. They they make their people suffer, right? Exactly what MAGA Republicans say about places like New York and California, right? Like I, I'm not – I'm giving you stats. I'm giving you data. But I would never go to a, a great American state just because it's represented by a Republican and say that state's a shit state <laughs> like that state is disgusting. Like st states are have, have a beauty to them. I'll give you yeah. the data, but it's exactly the Kim Jong Un style authoritarian tactic to basically say, you know, the, the other New York City. I went there. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene just lies like you can take Marjorie Taylor Greene's rhetoric and look at Kim Jong-un's lies and rhetoric. And, and they're very similar. She goes, I went there and all the people in New York, they all looked drugged out and they had these zombie eyes and it stunk. And I and I saw the people suffering. And it's like, meanwhile, you want to look what's happening near your district, Marjorie Taylor Greene. You want to look what's happening right next to in Jim Jordan's district in the city there where they literally call it Danger City. You want to look what's happening it's in Kevin Danger Ma City. They get Danger City. Danger Killing City. County. Yeah. You want to <laughs> Kevin McCarthy's district is called Killing County. I mean, you. it's actually called Killing County's Kevin McCarthy's district. Jim Jordan's is called Danger City because of the deaths and the and, and statistical, the, the police shooting deaths and the, the the violent crime rates and rampant drugs that are taking place there. It is it is all complete projection. But I do want to show you what President Biden said, though, because like, let's go back from like team crazy to, to normal for a second here. Um, and this yeah. is what President Biden said about the MAGA Republicans who have introduced these, you know, truly kind of wacko concepts. And I think Biden says like these are wacko notions that they're trying to hold the nation hostage. If I don't pass, like I'm not going to do that. Play this clip of President Biden. This is really dangerous. MAGA Republican Congress are threatening to default on the national debt. The debt that took 230 years to accumulate overall, overall, unless we do what they say. They say they're going to default unless I agree to all these wacko notions they have. Default would be worse than totally irresponsible. It would mean cuts in Social Security and Medicare, higher interest rates for things like credit cards, car loans, mortgages. Working people, middle class seniors would pay the price for the entire economy would be at risk. America's never defaulted on our debt, which has accumulated over 200 years. 
Let's remember, the last administration alone increased the national debt by 40% in four years, yet every single year they passed, they passed the debt limit. Every single year. And here, President Biden, and I love his messaging. He goes, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe MAGA Republicans want to run things like a deadbeat nation, but America is not a deadbeat nation. Play this clip. America, America is not a deadbeat nation. We meet our obligations. And I made clear to Speaker McCarthy about how we should proceed to settle our differences. <clears throat> no one should do anything to je- jeopardize the full faith and credit of the United States of America. Instead, I'm making threats of default if I don't go along with what they want, which would be catastrophic to the country. If we don't do it, they say they're going to let default take place. Take default off the table. And let's have a real serious, detailed conversation about how to grow the economy, lower costs, and reduce the deficit. And President Biden saying, look, you want to have a conversation on spending. I'm happy to have a conversation with spending. We can do it transparently. We can let let's make it a very kind of rigorous conversation. I'm all down for that. But don't do not threaten me. Do not threaten America. Do not turn America into a deadbeat nation in order for us to have a discussion on spending. And and that's actually how you negotiate right there. You know, you got to take their hostage threats off the table and say, no, that's a non-freaking starter. Mm -hmm. And by the way, President Biden also used Trump's words against him, where Donald Trump said that I can't imagine anybody using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge. Play Biden first, then I want to show Trump saying it. Donald Trump seeking to increase the debt limit while he was doing what he was doing. He said, quote, I can't imagine anybody ever even thinking about using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge. I guess he didn't know the new MAGA Republicans he bred. (laughs) The new MAGA Republicans he bred. The language that he's using is so spot on. And that's what we talk about here on the Midas Touch Network all the time and on this podcast, right? This is no longer, well, on the one side, we got Democrats who are progressives and liberals. And on the other side, we have Republicans and they are various gradations of conservative. That's not that's not what exists right now. Right. You have a pro-democracy coalition, which is represented by the only political party that supports democracy today, only major political party that supports democracy today. And that is the Democratic Party made up of progressives liberals, independents, people not affiliated with political parties, um, people who are actually conservative and not this MAGA weird blend of fascism where we can have disagreements, intelligible conversations. We could challenge each other, but we love our constitution. We love our country. We want to have intelligent conversations. We want to elect adults. We don't want to elect people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump because we're like, hey, we're not going to give those people control over life and death matters of ourselves and our family and friends and colleagues and co-workers. And on the other hand, you got these MAGA Republicans, authoritarian fascists. That's who they are. And so the divide is clear. I know the media wants to, oh, Democrats, liberal, conserv- you know, on the other side, conservatives. Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't conservative, right? She She's out of her mind. She's like a MAGA fascist. There's nothing conservative about those ideas. And if we can now play the clip of Donald Trump actually saying exactly Biden's got the receipts. So play this clip of Trump. I can't imagine anybody ever even thinking of using the debt ceiling as a negotiating wedge. Uh, when I first came into office, I asked about the debt ceiling, and I understand debt ceilings, and I certainly understand a 
uh, the, the highest rated credit ever in history and a debt ceiling. And I said, I remember to Senator Schumer and to Nancy Pelosi, would anybody ever use that to negotiate with? They said, absolutely not. That's a sacred element of our country. They can't use the debt ceiling to negotiate. And that's exactly what they are doing. Frankly, encouraged by Trump. Trump is the one also giving the orders to Kevin McCarthy to use the debt ceiling to hold the nation hostage. And you have to ask yourself, Jordy, it's to your point. So what's the end? Mm -hmm. And Occam's razor, the easiest mm -hmm. explanation, the simplest explanation, they want to destroy the country. Exactly. Why else would you engage in such maniacally evil conduct? As Biden said, you can raise the debt ceiling and then we could have a conversation about spending. But they go, no, we're going to send this whole thing into default. Why? Why would you do that? What, what reason do you want to so harm our country and hurt our people? But, Brett, I think there's some big news you've learned today about Biden potentially announcing re-election next week. I did, but I, I got to say that that Trump clip, it's the most Trumpy clip on the planet. Like first, OK, he says this point at the beginning. Right. And then there's no way that conversation happened with Pelosi and Schumer. Can we agree that's that didn't that didn't happen? It's not something I mean, we they weren't say. crying as they were speaking with him either. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he's like, eyes, said, they said, Brett, they said, they said, sir. Sir, <laughs> and, then, said, and then he's sir, like, the debt ceiling. Sir. I know he's like the debt ceiling. I know debt ceilings. Good debt ceilings are good. I know debt ceilings. Debt ceilings, yes, debt. He just like repeats himself and fumbles over his words. And you're like, what are you talking? What are you, you have no idea what you're talking about. But that is that is those are some good receipts. But yes, we are learning today through a Washington Post report that Biden is preparing to announce his re-election campaign for the 2024 election next week as early as tuesday oh. apparently biden and his aides have a video that they are prepping for the announcement they're targeting a tuesday release for this announcement video and they're trying to have it coincide with the four-year anniversary of the 2020 campaign launch so some massive news there personally i am very excited about another biden election i think he's been doing a great job i think you know i think he's an incredibly strong incumbent i think that biden is really good at as we just saw in those clips at contrasting kind of somebody with a steady hand somebody who's a statesman who knows the ins and outs of government and politics somebody who actually knows how to lead in a calm competent matter against these just deranged new breed of these MAGA Republicans who have completely co-opted the Republican Party. I think that contrast is very important, not to mention that he is objectively, whether you like it or not, objectively one of the most consequential presidents in the history, Facts. at least the modern Facts. history of the United States of America in terms of legislation passed, in terms of success on the global stage, in terms of getting our troops out of Afghanistan, which I actually think is a positive thing that he did. I think Biden has done a lot of good when he was handed a situation that was dire. He was handed a situation where we were losing just tons of jobs, where thousands of people were dying every single day. COVID was running rampant. I mean, there was a time where we couldn't actually go to the store and find toilet paper on the shelves. We couldn't go to the store and buy more than one or two of a product because everything was rationed across the country. You had to buy like groceries like off market at random places because they didn't sell them. At, they didn't have them in stock at grocery stores. Like I don't think people remember 
just how bad things were, not mm-hmm. to mention the disastrous transition, the non-existent transition that happened where Trump just gave up at the end of his presidency and did not even help a little bit as all presidents did. And I think Biden has done an incredible job. You know, I'm I'm all for this reelection campaign. I think he I think he'll do a great job. Do not do not do not let the mainstream. The, no, not, not even the main. Do not let the legacy media gaslight you into thinking this is anything but a fantastic decision by the Biden administration, by President Biden for his reelection campaign. Don't let them. He's been successful. He's been stable. He's kicked ass. This is exactly the person that we all voted for. And the leadership speaks for itself. The results speak for itself. We're once again a country that's respected around the world because we have a leader that's competent, stable, and getting things done. And I should note just quickly where Biden was giving this speech from, because I think it speaks a lot to his messaging also, not just what he's saying, but the kinds of places he's going to. He gave those that speech from a union trade tra- from a union training facility yes. in Michigan. I mean, point. contrast that also with McCarthy's speech when McCarthy gave his speech threatening to hold the entire economy hostage. Where did McCarthy give his speech? Did he give it in front of union workers? No, he went to New York Stock Exchange to give it in front of Wall Street. I mean, I like that right there. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Who do you represent? Oh, you just told us. Oh, and Ben, by, real quick before we kick it back to you. I mean, just just how funny and amazing is it going to be when Biden beats Trump again? I mean, it, like it's just going to be hilarious and amazing. I hope he breaks out the beat him like a drum line. Oh, beat him like a beat him like a drum. <laughs> and I'll say this like, class. I, I, I don't I don't agree with President Biden on on everything sure. that he does. And but, you know, I, I know that there is a normal adult in the room who is doing everything in his power uh, to try to protect our nation, to put forward policies that help most Americans, you know, and, and workers and and focusing on jobs and things like lowering prescription drug prices and uh, focusing on making health care accessible and affordable, making education accessible and affordable, focusing on things like equality, right, focusing on making sure women can con- have control over their own bodies. And, you know, MAGA Republicans are, you know, using big government. They're using their weaponizing government um, to try to control the bodies of women to tell you who you can marry. And then they spend their whole days talking about woke, woke, Mr. Potato Head this and the green M&M that and, and, you know, and whichever movie gets them angry because a character is is too woke and they're going on a battle against the woke. And it's just like headache. You're just giving me a headache. Like stop with just stop with the freaking nonsense. And like, let's let's have let's be serious. And so I do want to talk about uh, Ron DeSantis because he goes out there. It's like the cringiest headache inducing thing when he does these speeches, you know, and, and his state is suffering. Like, let's be real. What's going on there? Like, there are so many areas where he's just been completely negligent regarding his state. You know, I think I was I was telling you this the other day, Brett. I'm like, look, if you can at least maybe do like make, maybe focus on like the bare minimum, like to the people like Greg Abbott and DeSantis, like, can you try to at least keep the lights on and like allow people just to go about their day to day? Like, like 
they're, they're so cocky that they just go to woke and they don't even focus on like the basic <laughs> bare minimum function of like what their job duties are as a governor of like What's what again? you're supposed to do. And then they go Very right to woke, woke. Here we're talking about the woke, the woke. I'm battling the woke in the schools. And it's like, yo, can you make sure that our lights work and that our electricity is working, please? <laughs> like, can you make sure that like we have you know gas like can like can you focus on some of the most basic things so i want to talk about ron DeSantis and everyone's piling up on him and rightfully so and i want to talk about um some updates in the various trump related cases let's just take one more quick break oh hey when did you get here let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner henson shaving Look, everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are. The cuts, the irritation, the frustration. And don't get me started with subscription razor services, the headaches that those can cause. That's why you gotta meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the ISS. That's the International Space Station and Mars Rover, and now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. Razor blades, they're like diving boards. The longer the board, the more wobble, the more wobble, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. A bad shave, it, it isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. By using aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no obsolescence. The Henson Razor, it works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefit of new-school tech. Once you own the Henson Razor, it's only about $3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. My first shave with the Henson Razor was incredibly refreshing. The design is sleek and the durability is top notch. The Henson Razor is truly much better than your run-of-the-mill quote-unquote traditional razor brand. And the affordability factor is absolutely game-changing. No more wasting your money on expensive blades. With Henson Shaving, you get a year year of blades for just $5. Okay, so here's what you have to do. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com slash Midas to pick the razor for you and use code Midas and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash Midas and use code Midas. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew exactly if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with just the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs, and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, we're down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something pretty cool. My wife, she recently started gardening, and we've been able to use the dirt that Lomi produces to help fill the garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. 
I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. And I have basically a limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week I had my in-laws over for dinner and the food cleanup process was such a breeze. Plus they all think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash Midas and use the promo code Midas to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Midas and use promo code Midas at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. If you're interested in, in any of these sponsors, check the description below. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or wherever you're watching, or if you're listening on audio, all the links are right there. Click it. And thank you for supporting our sponsor. A, a lot of updates in the court to report. For, first one I'll talk about is Mike Lindell. Uh, so Uh-oh. Mike Lindell, Mike Lindell put out an offer. And his offer was, if anybody can prove that the election data he was using was false, he said that he would give them $5 million. And he had a whole process about how you had to disprove him. Well, he was easily demonstrated that the data that he had was false. And then he refused to pay the $5 million. And so uh, the the group of people who proved that he was wrong about his election data and he was using just a completely false set of election data, um, they brought a lawsuit against him. And in an arbitration proceeding, uh, they were awarded $5 million. And Mike Lindell, of course, says, I'm not going to pay you. And they and he goes, it's going to be decided in court. Well, it was. <laughs> it, was decided. it was decided. It was decided in an arbitration and an arbitration ruling will get affirmed in court. But Mike Lindell is going to owe five million dollars because he made this um, ridiculous uh game or bed or competition, if you will. And it was easily demonstrated that he was using false uh, information. Want to talk about what was what's going on in Fulton County, Georgia, right? We haven't heard a lot about what's been going on with Fawny Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney's ongoing uh, criminal investigation into Donald Trump's 2020 election interference since we last heard. Remember, there was a special purpose grand jury that issued a report making recommendations about people who should be indicted. It's confidential, so we don't specifically know who the people are. We believe it's the fake electors, 16 fake electors, as well as Donald Trump and others in Trump's inner circle. But the way it works in Georgia, it's like a two-step process if you elect to go through the special purpose grand jury. So unlike Manhattan, right, where you just go to the grand jury and they vote to indict, In Fulton County, Georgia, first there's, if you elect to go through this process, first a special purpose grand jury, they make recommendations. Then you bring those recommendations to a grand jury. So one of the ways I am able to make these predictions is I just follow the procedures, Jordy, that takes place. And so the the grand jury in Fulton County, Georgia, meets in May. So they'll get those recommendations handed to them. And then they may have other witnesses go before the grand jury, but they can basically take judicial notice of those recommendations and indict just based on the recommendations, or they can call in other witnesses, right? So what's going on in this month or so period between the special purpose grand jury report and the grand jury? Well, uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis is very smart, right? So she's using that time frame to basically go to the fake elect who a lot of them are going to be criminally indicted and say, you sure? 
You sure <laughs> this is you sure this is the way you want to do it? Because I mean business, but it, it, you can make that call on yourself. And what's being reported is that a lot of those fake electors who are some prominent Republicans, they're turning on each other and they're saying, I wasn't involved in this. It was this person's fault. It was that person's fault. And they're pointing fingers at each other. Now, the problem is that they're all represented by the same exact lawyer, this MAGA Republican lawyer who's kind of representing them all. Why is that a problem? Because what at least uh, Phony Willis is saying is that they're kind of the lawyer is kind of coordinating them to not flip on each other when they want to flip on each other. Um, and in addition, Phony Willis has offered some of them immunity deals if they testify against each other. And you may go, none of them should get immunity. Well, the reality is that is a strategy used. If you give some immunity to testify against each other, this way you can get all, you can actually get these criminal indictments and successfully prosecute them. So it's a strategy used by prosecutors that's being deployed here. But one of the things that Phony Willis says is that the offer by the Fulton County District Attorney's Office to give some of these fake electors immunity has not even been conveyed to some of these fake electors by the lawyer. And how do they know that? Well, when they would, according to Phony Willis, when they would interview some of the fake electors over the past few weeks and they would say, hey, so, you know, we offered you immunity, right? And you turned it down. <laughs> some of these fake electors said, I never knew that I would have taken it. And so Phony Willis filed a motion with Judge McBurney and said, hey, here's what's going on. They're flipping on each other. This lawyer is completely conflicted and should not be representing, you know, all 10 of these fake electors. There's a total of 16 fake electors, but should not be representing these fake electors. So there was this disqualification motion that was filed. Judge McBurney hasn't ruled yet, but we learned about all of those proceedings taking place that I just talked about. So what happens next? Judge McBurney will rule on that disqualification motion. Um, so as soon as we know the ruling there, I'll let you know. But the grand jury will meet in May. They'll deliberate probably for a few weeks. And so I think you see a late May to mid-June indictment of Donald Trump. And I think people like Giuliani, I think perhaps people like Mark Meadows, um, you know, certainly the fake electors. But I think you're going to like what we talked about happening in New York so far, mm -hmm. what went what, what what's about to go down in Georgia is going to kind of so, make New York kind of look like a footnote. Yeah. So every few months, Republicans are just going to take field trips to various cities. Is Jim Jordan going to be in Atlanta in a few months? Is that is that what we could all expect? Yes. I mean, I'm pro yes. probably. Yes. I, I mean, honestly, <laughs> how, how, it's the, like it's the dumbest thing because you could predict these people, right? It's uh, they're just gonna and it's just gonna be. And that's where there's that that's where their stupidity is cyclical. I told you I'd get that in this episode. Great job, Jordy. I always uh, say uh, you got to fit into every episode at least once, right? How screwed is this attorney? Honestly, like it seems like a pretty uh, faux pas to put it nicely. Pretty big faux pas, but it seems pretty messed up. To you know, the not the, the, the lawyer, the, the the lawyers being accused of being unethical and having an what's called an unwaivable conflict of interest, right? What mm. the lawyer argued before is that look. I represent at, at one time it was 11 and then the court said you can't represent this one and these 10 because there's a conflict. So they separated out, but she was able to still represent the 10. But what the lawyer said is, look, 
All of my clients signed what's called a conflict waiver, where they knowingly and intelligibly waived the conflict of interest. But what Phony Willis says is there are certain things called unwaivable conflicts of interest. So when the parties are directly adverse in the same manner, which it is now, the parties can't waive that conflict of interest. So, you know, look, what do we say MAGA stands for? Make attorneys, get attorneys. And we repeatedly see lawyers finding themselves in these ethical binds. The reality here is I don't think this lawyer is ultimately going to be in jeopardy of like losing her legal license. Mm. Um, but I do think that there is a conflict of interest. She is going to be disqualified, I, I think. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Like, Fawny Willis is no nonsense. So, you know, will Fawny Willis view that conduct as obstruction of justice? Like, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't think Phony Willis wants to get distracted, frankly, with that sideshow. Like yeah. she, she's got her case. That's why I think the lawyer may kind of get away with it a little bit, just because you know mm. you can't fight these wars on all these different fronts. And Phony Willis is very specifically focused on 2020 election interference. But you know, uh, Brett, I, I, I think that this lawyer does have to justify. Um, how this took place, if indeed that's what took place and her clients are going in saying these offers were never conveyed to us. I mean, that is very, very serious. It is an ethical violation if that's what took place. Lawyers can lose their license for that. Um, you know, we'll see what happens here um, and we'll keep everybody posted. Brett, you mentioned, so is Jim Jordan, MAGA Republican Jim, Jim Jordan, he's going to go to Fulton County? Yeah. You know, and so, you know, Jim Jordan, Issued a subpoena. Yeah. Jim Jordan's been, you know, constantly interfering with Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation. And then that became a criminal case when the grand jury voted to indict Donald Trump. And now that it's a criminal case, what is Jim Jordan doing? He's subpoenaing people who work at the Manhattan District Attorney's office. And the most imminent subpoena was that of Mark Pomerantz, a former special assistant in the district attorney's office who was hired by Cy Vance. And Pomerantz believed, by the way, that Donald Trump should be prosecuted immediately for financial fraud crimes, the bigger crimes. Mm. So even if Pomerantz were to actually testify before this House Judiciary Committee, it's not like Pomerantz is going to provide exculpatory information for Trump. Like Pomerantz, <laughs> Pomerantz is going to say, my beef was that I thought that Trump was guilty of the bigger crimes and I wanted that to go first and I resigned and I was pissed because Alvin Bragg wanted the falsification of business records to go first. So that's at the end of the day, if you play this all out and Pomerantz finally testifies, it's not like Pomerantz is going to say, I don't think Trump did it. He's going to say, no, Trump is way more guilty than the falsification case. And the beef that he had with Matt, with Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is, was really about sequencing, right? Alvin Bragg was like, look. I'm not ready to bit to bring the bigger financial fraud case yet. I want to wait for more evidence. So what evidence would he be waiting for? Well, how about the fact that Donald Trump was just deposed by the attorney general in her civil case for the civil version of, of a lawsuit relating to Donald Trump engaging in those financial fraud. So now Alvin Bragg, by waiting and sequencing it the way he wanted to, now has access to Donald Trump's deposition, which would not 
not have happened if you sequenced it the way Mark Pomerantz wanted it, because Donald Trump would have just invoked his Fifth Amendment right, and that would have stayed or stopped the attorney general's civil case. So it was actually a brilliant sequencing. But the whole dispute that Bragg had with Pomerantz is Bragg was like, look, I want a corporation first, get my 17 felony convictions against the Trump organization. Next, falsification of business records for the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. Then I'm going to continue my criminal investigation on financial fraud. Pomerantz got pissed at that and was like, no, financial fraud now. And then Pomerantz wrote a book about it, which frankly isn't helpful because by Pomerantz writing a book, now Jim Jordan's able to argue, well, you wrote a book about it, so now you can't testify. Mm. And so that puts the Manhattan District attorney in the position to say, we didn't authorize the book. And by writing that book, that potentially could be a violation of grand jury secrecy laws, and that could be a misdemeanor. So by writing that book and doing that press tour, I think Pomerantz, even though at the time he thought that that was like the right move, I think at least what we now know, I think it's indisputable that Pomerantz kind of didn't have the best strategy there. And I, I got to say strategy made, made way more sense. I got to say, and watching Pomerantz and his, the actions that he's taken since uh, leaving the prosecution here and writing the book and kind of going public and doing these interviews, I think t- to me, at least it affirms Alvin Bragg's decision and it affirms his whole kind of legal process here and, and all the steps that he took that he was actually doing it the right way. And I understand obviously, and I, I, I too was upset by the way, when we found out that Pomerantz was no longer working on the case and everyone thought the case was blown up, but I think history has been kind to Alvin Bragg and has not been super kind yeah. here to Pomerantz. Um, But it's so true because it's the ultimate rake stepping. And it's like, okay, you follow this through to the end of it. And what happens? Okay. If he does testify, you get Mark Pomerantz out there testifying before Congress about how guilty he thinks Donald Trump was and that he thinks he should have been in prison last year. That's how you follow this through. That's the ending of it. Don't think that's what that's the worst case scenario of what happens here if Jim Jordan gets his way just so everybody knows what a genius this idiot is so if you say well why is Alvin Bragg even fighting it because the broader issue is state sovereignty because the MAGA Republicans aren't just stopping with Pomerantz right they want to pry into all of the deliberative proceedings that are taking place within the uh, grand jury and so Alvin Bragg doesn't want to waive this argument that he just doesn't care if people who used to work for him or work for him are being called to testify where Alvin Bragg argues there's no legitimate legislative purpose. And Jim Jordan argued the legitimate legislative purpose why the Judiciary Committee wants to get involved in this is because they're looking to pass a law that would basically make former presidents that you couldn't prosecute former presidents for crimes, that they would get full immunity from any state crime, which, by the way, is patently unconstitutional. There's no above the law. And ultimately, what I found very interesting and quite revealing about the lack of logic in uh, this Trump judge Viscasel's uh, order is on the first page of her order, referring to Pomerantz's testimony, she goes, nobody is above the law. Mark Pomerantz needs to testify. But then the justification, the federal hook about what the legislative purpose is, is an argument by Jim Jordan that former presidents are above the law. That's the very basis that they use to claim that 
the that the House of Representatives should be able to issue this subpoena that you can't prosecute former presidents, which is patently unconstitutional. And then the judge, the lower court judge, uh, and again, Alvin Bragg has appealed that, um, has basically said, look, it's not for me as a judge to look into anything further than what Jim Jordan basically tells me. Jim Jordan says they're interested in passing a law, so I don't have to dig deeper. It's not for a federal judge to actually question the intentions of the House committee, only that they've put forward a legitimate legislative purpose where Alvin Bragg was like, that's not a legitimate purpose. That's that's illegal. And you can't you can't use that as a pretext to pry into what we're doing in the states. So Alvin Bragg appealed this lower court order because the lower court order rejected Alvin Bragg's lawsuit against Jim Jordan, trying to stop Jim Jordan from deposing Pomerantz. And the lower court said, yeah, there is this legitimate legislative purpose. Um, and then Alvin Bragg appealed that to the Second Circuit, which issued a temporary stay, which paused uh, the deposition. So the deposition was supposed to take place April 20th. It's no longer taking place. Then the second circuit's going to look through all of this information um, and make a ruling. And, and here's the thing too, though. And this is what the, what the lower court federal judge said, which is why the testimony though is not going to be as dramatic as I discussed anyway, you know, as, as it could have been because this, because the judge was like, well, Pomeranz can still assert objections and privileges. So if they're trying to ask questions about grand jury secrecy, if they're trying to ask questions about confidential information within the district attorney's office, then Pomeranz can assert an objection on a case by case basic basis. So it's basically going to be Pomeranz just objecting the whole time. And it's just going to be a waste of time at the end, at the end of the day. And the whole thing is performative BS, but of course we'll keep everybody posted on what's going on there. And we, of course we got to talk about E. Jean Carroll's trial starts next week. And Donald Trump's lawyer wanted the judge to read an instruction to the jury that the reason that Donald Trump may not show up to his own trial, where he is a civil defendant in a rape case, is because Donald Trump wants to spare New York City the burden of all of the resources it would Aww. take and, and spare the court all of the resources. And Judge Lewis Kaplan was like, no, not only am I not going to read that instruction that you right now, but thanks for even making this an issue. Mm -hmm. because I'm now instructing you, Takapina, and Trump's lawyers that you can't tell the jury that either. Mm. You can't tell the jury <laughs> that Donald. So if they didn't bring this motion or didn't even say that, asking for the instruction, Takapina arguably during jury selection could have said, look, because you, you can't unring the bell once he says it, right? So he could have said to the jury, look, Trump's not showing up. And the reason Trump's not showing up is because we wanted to spare the city the burden. Total BS, but he at least could have said it. And then, by the way, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer could have said objection, objection, but it would have been said already. But now, yeah. because Takapina even raised the issue, the judge says, yeah, I'm not going to say that. And by the way, you can't say it either right now. <laughs> but it seems like Trump is not going to show up to this thing at all. Wow. Um, he's he's a civil defendant. So he it's not a criminal case. So he doesn't have to show up. If you're a party to a civil case, you don't have to be there, believe it or not. Um, but it doesn't mean that the jury is not going to punish you for not showing up to your own trial. Right. And so here. 
obviously, if Trump, there's an empty seat at the defense table and E. Jean Carroll's lawyers are going to put on this, the witness stand other victims who Donald Trump sexually assaulted, play the Access Hollywood tape. Then they're going to play Donald Trump's deposition and then they're going to call E. Jean Carroll and then they're going to rest. That's basically their case. It may be a different order. And you may ask, Ben, is E. Jean Carroll's lawyers going to call Donald Trump to testify and force him to show up? No. And then you may go, Ben, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they call Donald Trump to testify? Haul his ass in there. E. Jean Carroll's lawyers are smarter than that. And here's what they realize. Donald Trump did horrible during his deposition. And you can play a party's deposition for any purpose during the trial. So all they're going to do, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we're going to play for you Donald Trump's deposition. They're going to do that (laughs) in in their case in chief. And they're going to have the jury watch Donald Trump's deposition instead of his testimony. So then after they rest their case, then the defense has to put on evidence. So who's the defense going to call as their witness, right? So you basically force them that if they don't call Donald Trump as a witness, then you're going to say to the jury, look, they had the opportunity. Their client didn't even show up. They didn't even call their own client on direct exam. Then if they do call their client, just imagine trying to prepare a direct examination of Donald Trump, not a cross-examination. Takapina, you can't do leading questions. You have to ask Donald Trump questions on direct exam. You have to establish a foundation, you know, which it's actually a skillful thing to do. And then after Trump gives what would likely be a horrific direct exam, then you still get to cross-examine, do a cross-examination. So E. Jean Carroll's lawyer set a trap. That's why she did it that way. And it is a brilliant, it is, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant trap when you think about it like that. I just want to, it's just almost like unfair at this point. You just have like Donald Trump with all the attorneys in the world. Every attorney in the world. This guy is a former president of the United States and he has access to every attorney in the world. And I think it says everything that the attorneys that he ended up with are Joe Takapina and Alina Haba. I mean, how absolutely embarrassing, how absolutely humiliating. And meanwhile, E. Jean Carroll has like one of the single best attorneys in the world with Roberta Kaplan. I loved Roberta Kaplan's line in her letter that she had filed where she just called Trump out like that excuse about, oh, we want to just make sure that the logistics in New York City are okay. She's like, bullshit. This is a direct quote. She said, if Mr. Trump can find a way to attend wrestling championships, political conventions, civil depositions and campaign functions, then surely he could surmount the logistics of attending his own federal trial. Boom, boom, Mike drop. I mean, it's just like, it's, I would say it's like literally going against the majors, but it's even like worse than that, you know? And Trump's excuse doesn't even make any sense. It's like the ringleader complaining of there's a circus. Like yeah, it's all his, it's all his fault. <laughs> it's so true. All right, it's Brett, so yeah, t- take us home with DeSantis though, Brett. What's oh, going on I, there? I forgot. This has been a good episode. I, I didn't Great realize episode. we didn't hit DeSantis Great yet. episode. I love when we I comment really, about how good our episodes are. Hey, why not? Great right, episode, hey. guys. This is a, this is <laughs> ourselves flowers know, while we can. I, I, I know the Midas might agree. If you like this episode you're watching on YouTube, make sure to go right now. Subscribe, yeah, subscribe. to the Midas yeah. podcast on audio and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But anyway, folks, Ron DeSantis, I, I mean, I, I can't even like... It's hard for me to think back even to like a few months ago or like a year ago and think about like being worried about this guy's presidential. I know, right? 
it's just so embarrassing watching him on the campaign trail. Like I'm almost, I'm getting secondhand embarrassment watching the guy. He just has one disastrous week after another disastrous week. He's got donors fleeing him. He's got nobody endorsing him in his own state. Like this is extremely embarrassing stuff. But there are real consequences to the games that he is playing. So I want to take that part of it absolutely seriously sure. because Florida, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, they had serious, serious, serious flooding last week from these storms. And when they needed help and they looked to their governor, where was Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSantis was in Ohio going, woke, I'm going to destroy the woke. I'm going to destroy the woke. Got the woke. woke destroy the woke, woke folks. And people are like, dude, my car's underwater. What the hell are you talking about, man? And so that happens. That's followed by a severe gas crisis, a massive gas shortage in uh. South Florida. Lines wrapped around the street for the few remaining gas stations that actually had fuel. I had people texting me who were down there. I got a lot of messages from people in Florida saying there's like one gas station anywhere, even in this part of the state where I could even find gas. And they look to Ron DeSantis and where the hell is Ron DeSantis? Once again, he ain't in Florida. Ron DeSantis was in South Carolina. And in this one clip that I'll show you here for the listeners of this podcast on the bottom bottom of the split screen you have the cars wrapped around the street trying to get gasoline in florida on the top at the same time you have ron desantis giving his speech in south carolina where in a span of 20 seconds he says woke i believe seven times and just listen to like Ron DeSantis thinks this is like a winning speech. He thinks like he's probably like, good job, buddy. Way to go. Listen to this and just try not to cringe. So because the woke represents a war on truth, uh, we have no other recourse but to wage a war on woke. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. What? Excuse me. It's like, dude, at least like make sure the lights are on in your state metaphorically or literally before you go on these deranged rants out of state about the woke, because you know what's dying in your state? The woke isn't dying. People are dying because of your stupidity, because of your policies focus on the basics of governing or is that too woke for you is it too woke to actually govern to do the bare minimum, the bare minimum of running a state? That's all you got to do. The bare minimum tasks. But he can't even do that. And meanwhile, like there are all these other issues now that are stemming from it. I read the grossest study. And I apologize if you are eating right now. You might want to put down your fork because this is a serious problem right now in Florida. They're having soup. From all the, uh, what, if you're having soup? Yeah. Put down your spoon okay, just, because it's okay. it's pretty gross because these are the issues. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, Jordy, for the soup eaters out there, for the soup drink. Yeah. Um, but l- literally, this is what's happening right, right now in Florida. Fecal bacteria in Ew, some man. Florida canals in South Florida has skyrocketed to about 150 times beyond safe levels after the recent flooding. That's no about shit. 40. T- no shit. No shit. No, no, Holy no. Shit. A lot of a lot of yeah, shit. shit. A lot of shit, massive shit. And that's about 40 times higher in these canals than one would expect to find if they tested the water in a used toilet. But don't worry, folks. Ron DeSantis is out there out of state talking about the woke. 
Walk, walk, yeah. walk, walk, walk. Dude can't even run the state. And then he has all these other kinds of issues right. happening. Ron DeSantis is literally throwing feces on the people who live in Florida while he's out talking about woke in South Carolina. I mean, he's just literally just turned his state into a cesspool. Le- le- legitimately yeah. turned his cesspool. state into a, an actual an actual cesspool. And then like this morning, there was this other weird thing where all these people in Florida were woken up by an emergency text message, a test, you know, like when your phone goes off with like an Amber alert or something, everybody in the state who had their emergency alerts on was woken up at 4.50 in the morning by an emergency alert message. And then I looked up, like I went on the Florida website that had like a list of like when these things are scheduled for. And it turns out they had them scheduled at 4.50 a.m. every other month. So it they had one in February. Apparently, they had one scheduled for June, for August, for October to wake the citizens up at 4.50 a.m. I mean, that is just deranged right there. And of course, when it happens, people complain, what does DeSantis do? I'm going to get to the bottom of who did this. Like the schedule's right there on your website, dude. Maybe if you were focused on your state, you could figure it out. Then, you know, there's the gas crisis, as we were talking about before. And just to really sum up the incompetence of these Republicans and especially what's going on in Florida, Marco Rubio, who has got to be the most useless person on the face of the earth, (laughs) at least in the country, he goes, he like does like a selfie video where he's complaining like, there's a real problem with this gas shortage down here and they need to do something about it. They need to do something about it. It's like, dude, you're the they. You're the freaking government. Ron DeSantis is the frick. Who's the they that you're relying upon? Do your job. Just watch this video of like. This is clear. This is the senator from Florida, (laughs) Marco Rubio, complaining that he doesn't know why there are these issues in the state of Florida, which I would normally say maybe you should call your state senator. But that's you. Play this clip. What's happening right now in Miami and in Fort Lauderdale with gasoline is crazy. You can't find gasoline anywhere. Uh, this has been going on since Sunday, and they're blaming it on the floods that impacted the port. And I know that, that was a factor, but it's been four days. This should have been figured out by now. And they're blaming it on consumer panic. Yeah, people are panicked because they got to get to work. They got places to go. And you either can't find gas or you have to wait in line for like two hours down the street where you're probably going to run out of gas while you're waiting. So, yeah, people are panicked. And, of course, they're filling up saying don't fill up. Of course you're going to fill up because you don't want to make, you don't know, the next time you're going to have to make a two-hour line. And they keep saying it's going to get better, but it's not. They got to get this thing fixed. This is crazy. (laughs) They got to get this thing (laughs) fixed. This is just utterly crazy. Do you think he knows what his job is? I don't think he knows what his job is. No, the answer is no. All them, all, they all think they're podcasters or vloggers and stuff. Like, you're a senator. Okay, we're, we're podcasters here. We could comment on what's going on, okay? It's your, it's, you're supposed to be doing the work. I don't know who you're shouting out to. They need to fix this. They need to leave. You are the they. Ron DeSantis is the they. Look inward, buddy. Look inward. The, 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 the NBA playoffs are going on right now, yeah? And so just to analogize this with sport, it's as if a coach – looked at his team at halftime and said, Hey, someone's got to figure this out. You guys are, you guys aren't playing well today. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Someone's got you're so, the coach, so, buddy. And the, and the players look at him. You, you, you're the guy. You're the, you're the coach. What do you mean? Man, this is, this is honestly, it, it I'd say it's pathetic, but it, it, it's far beyond that. Can we get into, if, if we're moving on, I, I want to do make a point about DeSantis and his, his future. I'm moving on. We're moving on. Where are we going? Where are we, where are we moving on to? 
<laughs> well, you're right. Are we at the end? We are kind of at the end. Of I the mean, end. we may be, you know, where, where well, do you want to move on to? Well, all I want to say is DeSantis right now, I don't, and, and this is a little bit of a hot take. It's an opinion of one. I know the brothers don't necessarily agree with me on this one. I just don't see him running at this point for president. I don't think he has the one. He obviously doesn't have the it factor, but he actually doesn't have the backing, nor does he have the infrastructure ready to sort of turn that key. And also don't discount the fact that there's still the law down there in Florida that a, a sitting governor, they, they can't announce a presidential run without giving up the ownership of their governorship. And so he's got a lot of things sort of working against him there. I would not be shocked personally seeing how things continue to just totally play out against him on his own networks, on the Fox News of the world and uh, across that MAGAverse landscape. If he doesn't eventually run and, and put his hat in the ring for the GOP nominee. Okay, so I'll start off by saying I agree with you. If he were a reasonable human being, he should not run. And it's set up that he will inevitably, if he does throw his hat in the ring, the guy is going to get crushed and humiliated. Now, where I'm not sure if your prediction will be true or not, it falls on two kind of main things. One, the guy is an extreme narcissist. Great point. Who just craves Great power. Point. That's that's number one. And he thinks yeah, he's kind of has that Marjorie Taylor Greene syndrome where because he won in a state with a lot of people who kind of support him and he's got a super majority and he's able to push through all these hateful bills easily because he doesn't need the tact of a politician to do it because it's all a layup for him. He thinks he's like the greatest on the planet, even though he's not a good politician at all. So he's got this arrogance. He's got this narcissism. That's one. Two, to, and this goes straight to your second point, Jay. He's kind of pulling an illegal campaign move right now. And and by the oh, way, Trump rightfully yeah. called him out of and and here's what I mean by that. While he may not be raising money for a his own political campaign because he has not declared, he's got a super PAC. And the super PAC is running ads against Trump and running ads against, you know, George, putting their so name right. out, running commercials. And the super PAC, he's coordinating with the super PAC. And, and that's illegal. But he's coordinating with the super PAC because he's not declared his candidacy yet. So he's in this gray area of the law right now where he's saying, what? I'm not a candidate. I could coordinate with the super PAC. They want to say nice things about me. That's all good. They want to get raise all this money. That's perfectly fine. It's not me. It's, it's them. So he's got this war chest. He's got these people working on his behalf. However, he's trying to kind of play dumb and, and separating himself from it. So that that's my kind of overall view in it. But Jordy, you're 100% right. Because when you look at like the endorsements and stuff, nobody like even in Florida is endorsing him. And he keeps getting humiliated. Like he, he did this trip to DC where he thought he'd be greeted by like the Republican establishment as some sort of conquering yeah. hero. Look. We have somebody who could, you know, beat Trump and he could, this guy could be in the lead. And then like everybody he meets with, like right after he meets with them is like, oh, that guy's horrible. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, endorsing, I'm endorsing the other guy. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine being that bad. And then the other thing too is if he does decide to take Trump on for that GOP nomination for the, you know, for the Republican nomination for president and loses his own state of Florida, which we said many times on the podcast, will. he will to Trump. Absolutely. There is no coming back from that. No yeah. coming back from that. 
<laughs> like here, here's an example, Jordy. He, he met with this Republican Texas representative, Lance Gooden, immediately right after the meeting. The guy goes, yeah, I'm back at Trump. <laughs> like, 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 like instantly. Imagine and, being so repulsive that the best next option is to endorse Donald Trump. Dude, even even the Florida, the representative guy, his name was like Greg Stobe or Stobe or something, a Florida representative. He he was complaining. It was all in this political piece. He was like, in the in the five years that I've been here or whatever, my five years of Congress, I've tried to reach out to DeSantis and his staff a billion times. I'm a congressman in Florida. He has not once returned my calls. He has not once talked to me. And now he wants my endorsement. I mean, this guy has zero political skill, zero political tact. He is just about as unlikable as Ted Cruz. Like he really is just a repulsive human being. When you meet him, nobody actually likes the guy. And he thinks he's hot shit because he's in an easy situation right now, to be frank. But you see even Fox now kind of like turning on him. They're all like, turning on him. And again, this is him. only a few weeks after they had the, they had the baseball catch with them you <laughs> know with, catch. What, they, they, they let, totally let me, let, turn the tide there I'll, I'll just i'll just show you a quick example of this uh, this larry kudlow clip who was you know in the Dude, Trump what the hell was that baseball catch i'm sorry that was the weirdest that was the weirdest programming thing in the entire world yeah, Fox, they're a whole bunch of weirdos, dude. They're all they're all a bunch of weirdos. But look who they they have they have Kudlow on Fox to just talk shit about DeSantis and his focus on woke and Disney. And they're like, yeah, Disney, they're basically just like, yeah, Disney's gonna kick DeSantis's ass. Watch this. I just want to observe that Governor DeSantis is close to making a fool of himself with his Walt Disney obsession. This has been going on now for months and months and months. And I would argue that it is unseemly number one a governor should not be come crashing down on if not the biggest one of the biggest business i don't like disney's politics either their woke politics my guess is bob Iger is going to change that but whatever i uh DeSantis should make a deal and stop already he's not running against walt disney for president no as we've been saying he has no campaign skills he can't debate and he can't negotiate donald trump would be in a room with disney working this out DeSantis' problem was it was easy to slap disney around they had that dumb ceo but he's gone Iger is here and DeSantis is no match for Iger, who's 10 steps ahead of DeSantis on every move a rough, 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 rough news for DeSantis when, you know, even Fox sees the writing on the wall for you there. But that's the Republicans. I mean, we brought you through the Republican rake stepping in the House, through the courts, uh, through the governorships and through the media. And that's what you have here. Just a complete uh, group of clowns, honestly, just just across the board. Um, but contrasted with actual leadership on the Democratic side with people who are actually trying to help people with people who actually don't want to torpedo the economy, but want to actually decrease the deficit, who want to have social programs that help the people who need them the most in this country. When you look at it and you see everything that's going on to me, and I hope to everybody out there listening and watching, <laughs> the contrast could not be clearer. And uh, and, and that's about it. But Ben, any I, I, I was just I, I was just thinking like the, the the way the Republicans are negotiating when it comes to like the the debt ceiling, right? It would be like if you're trying to negotiate a raise with like your boss, right? And you basically tell your boss right away, "Are you going to give me a raise?" And the boss is like. I'm open to the conversation. Like, let, 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 let's talk about it. But um, I love to hear what you what you think. And then your response is, "I'm going to kill you." And your boss is like, "What?" 
It's like, yeah, I'm go- I'm go- I'm going to murder you if you don't give me. Well, can, can we take murder off the table, please? And then maybe we could have a, a rational conversation. I mean, that's just how they approach everything. I mean, it's not just, you know, they're arsonists, they're professional rake steppers. And, you know, and, and, and look, there are real ramifications to what they're doing. And I know they're so desensitized to death in their death cult. You know, I know millions of people can die from a global pandemic and then MAGA Republicans will be like, well, that's as dangerous as a fajita. It's like, what, what are you like? What are you talking? Like, it's like a real like we take global pandemics like seriously here, like they'll have a cousin die and they'll be like, you know, they won't even like discuss it. And they'll be like, well, yeah, it's not that dangerous. It's like, yeah, your cousin just died or like your family member just died like isn't that a shocking event in your life that maybe they should have got a vaccine or like taken things seriously you know and then they just go on and they keep on saying it mm-hmm. you know and and it's because it's like all a cosplay game to them right yeah. like there's they don't think through that there are real ramifications here you know and, and there's the nefarious aspect of it too like you know there are these MAGA Republicans who aid and abet Vladimir Putin and then and then when they cosplay though their whole you know their whole view it's like okay well you know, so so at the end of your scenario, what, you know, Putin then invades all of Europe? Like if if you take what you're saying to your logical conclusion, MAGA Republicans, the outcomes that you want would actually be like completely disastrous. The fact that you would threaten America to default on its full faith and credit, like just destroy the world. If, if, if d- destroy the world, unless you're ridiculous, uh, unless uh, uh, Pell Grants get eliminated, <laughs> what you're going to destroy the world unless Biden eliminates Pell Grants. You're going to destroy the world unless Biden removes access to the Head Start program. You're going to destroy the world unless uh, Biden's student debt relief program doesn't take effect. You're going to destroy the world unless uh, money isn't repealed from funding the IRS. You know, and as Biden said, okay, you want to talk about your wacko ideas? Like, I'll talk about them. I'll talk about them. But let's fund our government first and let's, you know, make sure that the debt ceiling raises, please, so that we could not default on our debt. So, Brett, I think going back to before, I think to your point, we covered all of the professional rank stepping at all of these levels compared to normalcy. And that's what this network's all about, what we're promoting at the end of the day. You know, um, normalcy, intelligence, humanity, compassion. Um, you know, and I, and I think all of that's really true patriotism right there, right? Not performative stuff, just truly walking the walk and not just talking the talk, you know, and doing the hard work and just being, just be good people, folks. That's at the end of the day, like just be good, normal people. None of this Marjorie Taylor Green, MAGA Republican dangerous stuff. Everybody, thank you so much for watching this episode. Do us a favor, hit subscribe. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers here. Uh, if you just watch on YouTube, make sure you subscribe on audio as well, wherever you get audio podcasts. Uh, it's free. Just search Midas Touch Podcast and subscribe on audio podcast. To all our audio podcast listeners, make sure you subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel and help us get to 1.5 million subscribers. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. That's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. We're not funded by outside investors, so one of the main ways we fund this is through our Patreon. There's even one tier where 
where you could become an honorary producer of this show and your Ooh, name appears at the producer. end of the show. Shout out to our honorary producers. Don't forget to check out store.midastouch.com for all of the Midas Touch gear, 100% made in the USA. 100% union made. That's the dank Brandon and celebration of uh, 420, I suppose, Jordy. Absolutely. Happy 420 to all who celebrate. And there's the indictment season shirt and so much more. That's store.midastouch.com. Thank you, everybody, for watching this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We will see you next week. Don't forget to check out Legal AF uh, this weekend and Lights On with Jessica Denson uh, tomorrow. We'll see you next time. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new Indictment season t-shirt and v-neck exclusively at store.midastouch.com.